We're thrilled to have Pat and Marty Wolf um, with us today. It's such a blessing and a pleasure, and I'm sure Marty's going to do a great job of telling us what he does. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. It's been a uh, finally got here. We were supposed to be here sometime last last year, but due to uh, unforeseen circumstances, things came up and we weren't able to be here. So we're really glad to be here to share our ministry with um, with all you ladies. And um, I just want to read something to you because we're going to talk about God today in light of reaching out to people that live in our neighborhood. You don't have to cross the ocean. You don't have to um, learn a new language. Maybe learn how to eat some different kind of food. But other than that, uh, and I'm sure we're all open to learning new things. But um, the God that we serve is an awesome God. And so let me just read to you from a theological journal known as the Daily News. And um, this was about four years ago. There was an article on the cosmic uh, uh, thought about whether there's life on other planets. But here's what it says. For many years, scientists figured that there were a 100 billion stars in the Milky Way. Now, we happen to live in the Milky Way. This is our galaxy, okay? But last year, a Yale scientist figured the number was closer to 300 billion stars. That's even bigger than our national debt, you know? (laughs) And... uh, This is our galaxy, and scientists now figure there are a hundred billion galaxies. Now, you know, when you stop and think of what does that mean to us, it just means that when God said, let there be light, and he spoke and the universes went into orbit, this is the God that put all all those billions of galaxies and stars out there. And so when we're talking about God and we're being part of his family, it's an awesome, awesome concept. Um, Pat and I have been with the Friends of Israel for a long time. In fact, we've been with, uh, uh, Pat's been part of the Friends of Israel since we've been married, actually this month, 32 years and I was with them a few years before that. But prior to that, uh, I was with another mission for 12 years. So I've been in, involved with Jewish missions uh, longer than some of you ladies have been born. So um, anyway, it's, it's been a, a challenge to, to reach out to the Jewish people. And if you have your Bibles, I would ask you to turn real quickly to chapter 11 of the book of Romans. And Paul says here in this chapters 9, 10, 11, dealing with Israel, he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? And this is the God that I said just a few moments ago, spoke and all these galaxies went into orbit. He says, don't even let a thought like that come into your mind. It's much stronger than certainly not, or um, may it never be. It's very, very strong in the original Greek. It's meganeta. Don't even think about a thing like that. He says, for I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. In fact, he goes on in saying in verse 5, he says, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And when Paul wrote that, it's in the present tense. So it was at the present time that he wrote it, and it's at the present time in 2000. 
15, that there is still a number of Jewish people that he wants to bring to himself. Now, the ministry of Friends of Israel, we have some literature on the table, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. We're actually um, a little over 60 years old, 70 years old, eight countries, including Israel. And um, did you realize that in the San Fernando Valley there are about 37 synagogues and um, probably 120, 125,000 Jewish people? You add to L.A. and Orange County, you're looking at eight, 900,000 Jewish people. And so um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And so our ministry is actually twofold to the unsaved both Jews and Gentiles, we have personal contacts, and we meet Jewish people through friends. In fact, uh, we have a Bible study for the last seven, eight years t- to a Jewish lady who attends Grace Church by the name of Bonnie Frankfurt. Maybe some of you know Bonnie. Uh, she got saved through our ministry and has graciously opened her home to a Bible study in a neutral location where you can invite your Jewish friends to come and hear the gospel presented and uh, interact with, with people on a on a regular basis. And then we have, I were involved with home visitation, and I'd ask you to pray for a gentleman by, by the name of Irwin. He's about 80 years old. He, I told him the other day, I said, Irwin, you know more about the gospel right now as an unsaved Jewish person than I did when I got saved. And uh, there's just something holding him back, so pray for Irwin. And uh, we'll pray for him at the end of our, our time together. And uh, visiting people in the hospital, and in addition to the Bible studies we have at Bonnie's home, we'll have a senior study, because I, I guess I qualify for that. Um, uh, out in Santa Clarita, we meet in a senior residence, and that's been going on for about seven, eight years, maybe longer. And um, it's a place where people can invite their, uh, their Jewish friends and Gentile friends and hear the gospel. And just recently, uh, a Jewish gal came to know the Lord right here in the auditorium just before Christmas. She'd heard the gospel through a friend, and we met here, and she accepted the Lord right down there near the organ. And so Jackie and her fiancé are coming to our study. So that's exciting. And then many of you know uh, uh, Mark Zakovich. Mark uh, works here at the church. Well, we've been involved with his brother, Philip, and Joe, since they were at UCLA, and uh, it's been an exciting thing to see Joe go through seminary, get a scholarship to Hebrew University in Israel, and now he's going to be graduating from Harvard on a full scholarship next year. It's awesome to see, see, to be part of, of someone's life, and he has a real heart for Jewish people, and so we've encouraged that over the years. And then that's to the unsaved and to uh, Christians. But then to the church, it's what I'm going to share with you this morning, this afternoon, on um, getting to know your Jewish friend. But in addition to that, we also have done Passover seders. We've done them, I think, in this room even. I'm not sure, years past. And in the gym and in other churches. In fact, this year we'll be going up to Bishop, or one of our grandsons is a youth pastor. Uh, at his church up in Bishop, and then um, many of you know Stan and Steph Broder over in Lake Havasu, Arizona, who are going to be doing a Passover Seder uh, over in their church where Dennis McBride is the pastor. And so we're excited about doing that. And also the the one we know about right now in in our area is going to be over at Calvary Bible in Burbank at the end of March. 
So if you're interested, let me know. We'll tell you more about that. And uh, so there's other things that we're involved in in reaching out to the Jewish people. And as I said in the, uh, in the uh, chapel, most Jewish people come to know the Lord through the witness of a Christian friend. And so right now I'm going to help you to understand a little bit about the Christian people, or the Jewish people that you may know. This, these are Hebrew letters. And so how's your vision on the Jewish people? Well, why should we witness to our Jewish friends? Well, there's a several reasons. The Lord has given us a commission, and we have the Bible verses there. I don't need to quote them to you. The Lord gave us a commission. You know you've heard the missionaries say, the, the scriptures say, Go ye into the world. That's the command. That's not the command. The word uh, go is, is a participle. The command is to make disciples. Because the going is assumed. You're going. You become a Christian, you're going, whether it's next door, across the street, or across the world. So the commission is to go, but the, is, is to go as a Christian and then make disciples. It's not just to go. It's going and making disciples. And the reason that you're, you're doing that is because of the compassion. As the Lord looked out over the fields and he saw sheep without a shepherd. And then he had concern for his people in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. And then also, um, it was a compulsion. He says he has to preach the gospel to both the Jews and the Gentiles. It's interesting, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but every time he went into a new town, where did he go? The synagogue. Because <laughs> that's where you could get a meeting. So why should we witness to our Jewish friend? Because of these reasons. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about Jewish people. Well, um, Oh, all Jews are rich. Well, you're, you're looking at one that's not. <laughs> Ask Pat. She'll tell you. And so, or he looks and acts Jewish. I can't tell one Jewish person from another. I mean, I gave tracts to a, I thought a Jewish guy and, and, and turned out to be an Italian. So, what, you know, maybe one of the lost tribes. I don't know. I don't know. Something like that. But anyway, and then here's one. Here's a real big one that, drew, that scare people off is that, well, Jews know their Bible. Most Jews don't even have a Bible, let alone know anything about it. In fact, years ago when our kids were uh, uh, about 12, 13, the neighbor kid across the street was getting bar mitzvah, and we, what could we give this kid that we didn't think anybody would give him? Sure enough, we gave him a Bible, and that was the only one he ever got, as far as we know. And um, so if you... you you realize that Jewish people don't know their Bible. They, in fact, like I say, some of them even have, they have maybe prayer books in their home, and there's bits and pieces of Scripture in these prayer books, but they never bother to open them. Even they go to a synagogue, they're mostly on the shelf. So most Jewish people have no clue. They know some stories, but as far as anything, anything of, of doctrine, it's, it's a blank. It's a blank. So they don't know their Bible. And then um, they have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Well, as a nation, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of Jewish people that, like Paul says here, um, uh, when in verse um, 2, he said, God has not cast his people away uh, from um, which he foreknew. Or Don't you remember what he said about, uh, about uh, the scriptures say that Elijah, there were 7,000? So there are Jewish people who are coming to know the Lord. And there are Jewish people there. They figure there may be maybe 100,000 here in America. Of course, there's 8 million Jewish people. But in Israel, there are a lot of 
believers. But Jewish people, they reject the caricature of Jesus. Because what they've, un- they've identified as Christian- Christianity has been what? The Crusades, the Inquisition, the pogroms of Eastern Europe. That's when my family came from Poland and Russia to get away from that, because that was Christian. And, of course, the Holocaust. And that's what they think of when they think of Christian. You're becoming a Benedict Arnold. You're going to be a traitor. Rather than understanding the love of God shown by God's people to them. And this is true of anybody. And so it's just not true that the Jews have rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected a caricature of him. And that the Jews killed Christ. Well, I'll never forget... Uh, years ago, um, I was talking to a little French-Canadian girl when we ministered in Canada. And, um, of course, the, the Roman Church have, has had some real nasty experiences, or the Jews have had some nasty experiences with, with people from that background. And I, uh, we were talking about the gospel, and I said, um, um, uh, who killed Jesus? She said, oh, the Jews did. I said, where'd you learn that? She said, oh, in school. And I says, well, you know, why did Jesus die? He says, well, he, he died for sin. I says, well, if the Jews are the only ones involved in his death, then they're the only ones that can be forgiven. She looked at me, and I, she says, I want to get forgiven. I says, then you're going to have to admit that you killed Jesus too. It's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And she says, oh, he died for our sin. So it was God's plan that this happened. And that uh, they're out to take the Gentiles. Well, I'm old enough to be, tell you that I've been taken by a lot of Gentiles. Now, why do we find it hard to witness the Jewish people? Well, we think we have to uh, know a lot. Well, we really don't. We really need to know the Word of God. We need to know God's Word. And knowing some history doesn't hurt. Knowing some background doesn't hurt. So it's, that's, not, that's an excuse that doesn't work. Now, Amongst the Jewish people, there are major, three major denominations. One, that's my cousin Haim Yankel, by the way. And um, uh, Orthodox is the most, quote-unquote, conservative. Not conservative in the political sense, but conservative in the religious sense. And their view is that only the five books of Moses are divinely inspired. Well, what about the rest of the Bible? Well, it's inspired, but not to the same extent. Well, um, the Talmud and its commentaries, so if you just think of commentaries, they are the real basis of faith and practice uh, the, with, with, in Jewish theologies. Now, they're very, very zealous to observe and preserve the traditions and rituals of the law. And when we say, I say the law, I'm not talking about the laws of Moses. I'm talking about the oral law, which is tradition. Tradition, you know, fiddler on the roof? That's the idea, tradition. And they consider themselves to be the true Judaism. In fact, for growing up, to, to, to me, growing up in this kind of, a, of an environment, along with the conservative, which I'll mention in just a minute, um, uh, very, very liberal Jews to me were Gentiles. So this is the Orthodox part of, of Judaism. And they see the Messiah as a nationalistic redeemer not an an emancipator rather than a spiritual leader they that's how they see the messiah he's not god but he's an emancipator he's like a king david that's how they see the messiah now in fact rabbi steinzalt uh, i'm not sure if he's still alive but he's lived in, in in our generation here's what he said 
The Talmud was the more was more influential than the Bible in forming the Jewish nature, religion, and way of life. The Talmud is the backbone of Judaism. Without it, you don't have Judaism. In other words, you get rid of the Bible, but don't you touch my Talmud. And that is true amongst the Orthodox. Now, the opposite end of the, of the spectrum is Reformed Judaism. And they began in Germany about 1750. And, um, in fact, when they opened their first uh, t- uh, temple in Albany, New York, uh, about that time, a little after that, the or- Orthodox Jews stoned the place. They, these, these, were, these were heretics. Now, here's what they, they, they see their religion as part of. They attempt to adapt Judaism to the uh, demands of modern life. So what have they done? They've abandoned much of the traditional laws and observances. In fact, I asked a reform rabbi, I took a group of young people to a synagogue, and, and um, some one of the young people said, well, what's your view of the scriptures? He says, oh, that's the ancient writings of my primitive ancestors. That's their view. That's, this is the reform rabbi. Now, you, if that's his view, what do you think his people's views are? Not much higher than that, for sure. And the Bible is not the inspired word of God. And they try to preach an ethical monotheism, nothing spiritual. And then they've abandoned the concept of a personal Messiah. Israel's our Messiah, if that. And they see Jesus as a great teacher and reformer. So that's the two spectrums, liberal and uh, orthodox. Now, in between that, from about 1840 or so till about 1920, um, Waves of Jews came to America because of escaping from the uh, persecution in Europe. Like I said, that's when my parents came. They came to America. Well, they can't. They didn't live in ghettos anymore. My, my dad was born in a ghetto in Poland, and he's written about how that was as a kid. Well, now they're in a free society. They can't. They have to work on the Shabbat, and they can't always get kosher food. What are we going to do? So they had to make a compromise, and so. Conservative Judaism uh, was made in America. And so it's a compromise between Orthodox and Reform. Depending on the rabbi, whether it's closer to conservative, uh, uh, toward Orthodox, or toward Reform. And you can go either way in conservative uh, circles. I just want to mention, I was bar mitzvahed at the synagogue over at Laurel and Burbank, not too far from here. That was conservative. <coughs> Excuse me. That was conservative, leaning toward the Orthodox. Now, <coughs> why do Jewish people oppose our witness? Well, here's the reasons: uh, persecution from the Gentiles, from Rome, uh, Spain, 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but that's when Jews were getting kicked out of Spain because they wouldn't convert. I was called the Christ killer when I was a kid, and of course, I mentioned the Russian pogroms and of course the Holocaust and. And if you've seen the, the story of Cory Ten Boom, and you've seen the Star of David on their clothing, or if you ever run across an elderly Jewish person with a tattoo with a number on their wrist, they're getting fewer and fewer, of course. Uh, you'll know they're a survivor of the Holocaust. And, of course, with the uh, latest uh, news from, from France, that's how you say Jew in French, le juif. So um, that's why they oppose our witness, because of persecution. If you sum it all up, we don't need any dialogue with Christians. The best they have to offer, they've demonstrated in 2,000 years of persecution. 
How do we reach people that you have two strikes on you? Well, Friends of Israel says, love them to life. Develop a friendship. And this is true of anybody, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. Develop a friendship. As I said to the, uh, to the group in the chapel, most Jewish people come to know the Lord through a Christian friend. They're looking at your actions, not so much your words. Oh, I love the Jewish people. Yeah, we've heard that. Just let me see your love. And um, um, your t- friendship is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. You make a, an, a rendezvous or an appointment, and then they cancel at the last minute. That's happened over and over again. So hang in there, though. Um, and then when you finally get to talk with your Jewish friend, you can share with them, you know, I've got all of my spiritual blessings that come from your people. And they'll look at you and say, what? What would you say to a person like that? What are some of the spiritual blessings you get from the Jewish people? Anybody? What are some of the spiritual blessings? Our Jill. Savior. Huh? Our Savior. The Savior. What else? Moses, the commandments. The commandments? Okay, what else? Messiah. What else? The Bible. Everything we have comes from to the, you know, salvation is of the Jew. And so you can think about what you can say to the, uh, a person when you finally get a chance to talk with them about the, hmm? The Psalms, yeah, uh, uh, the, the scriptures. The Jewish people know about the Psalms. Oh, one thing I learned about Psalm 23, and I didn't know this. My aunt was dying. Uh, she had uh, uh, a fatal disease, and I went to the hospital to to, uh, uh, to kind of comfort her, and I wanted to read Psalm 23. She said, no, no, no. I find out that the Psalm 23 is, when you, is what you repeat at the funeral. So... Shows you what I knew about Jewish people. So, no, you go, you go to Mount Sinai, you go to a Jewish funeral, and you get the little booklet, Psalm 23 is in there. So I learned, you don't read Psalm 23. <laughs> I mean, it's a great psalm. You'd think that that would be very comforting, but no, that's how they do it. So, but think about what the spiritual blessings, the Bible, the promises of God, um, eternal life, um, meaning and purpose to your life, the Messiah, your Savior, uh, all those things that you, that you we take for granted as Christians, those are some of the spiritual blessings. As I said, most Jewish people come to the Lord by a loving Christian friend. Now, how do you witness to your Jewish friends? Well, um, you can invite them to the dinner to dinner, but just to be safe, go with chicken. Okay. Um, sweet and sour is fine. A lot of Jewish people, you know, it reminds me of the story about a Jewish guy from New York going to visit some friends in Montreal, and he comes across the border, and the customs guy says, uh, we have the thing to declare Val. He says, I've got five sets of false teeth. Five sets of false teeth? What's that all about? Well, you know, in our religion, we have milk products and meat products. That's true. It's true. That's, that's part of the kosher thing. And he says, okay, well, what about the others? He says, well, at Passover, we change everything. We have meat products and milk products. Okay, that's four. What about the fish? He says, once in a while, I like a piece of ham. So anyway, invite him to dinner. Share Isaiah 53. Now, maybe you've heard Isaiah 53 is not in the Jewish Bible. It's in the Jewish Bible, but it's never read in the synagogue. They come to Isaiah 52, 12, stop, miss the last, skip the last four verses of the 52nd chapter, all of 53, pick it up again at 54. And uh, you say, why? Well, we can't read everything. 
But share with them Isaiah 53. Now, how, how, uh, if they have a Bible, you could ask them, who's this talking about? We'll see that in a minute. And then, if you can, if they'd even go to a synagogue, most Jewish people are not members of synagogues. There's usually a big drive in, this, in September for New Year, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and all that. But if they do go to a synagogue, you could say, well, can I come along with you? Make sure it's not one of the uh, um, uh, times when they want to promote a, uh, uh, was a membership drive where they just talk about joining. That's, that's, that, that's a real drag. But anyway... Um, <laughs> It's like going to a church when they talk about, you know, uh, giving, <laughs> that type of thing. So anyway, uh, there's nothing that will happen in the synagogue that would compromise your, your Christian testimony. So don't worry about that. And, and you can have a religious exchange, invite them to come here uh, when John is talking on some topic about, uh, you know, Old Testament or one of the classes that are there's dealing with the Old Testament, or you ladies are talking about Jude, and that's half-brother of the Lord Jesus, and James, and all that, invite them to come to one of your, one of your meetings here. Now, I want to use proper terms. You wonder why they don't listen to me. Well, first of all, when you use the word Christ, particularly with older Jewish people, they've been persecuted in the name of Christ, never in the name of the Messiah. So if you talk about Messiah Jesus, it goes down a little easier on the ears. And you need to define a Christian, because again, Christian means persecution. And so uh, you want to define that you're a Bible-believing uh, 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 Christian. You, you believe what God's Word says. Um, in fact, there was a rabbi, Isherwood, who said, I, I, the best definition of a Christian I've read, he says, a Christian is a believer in and follower of Jesus as the Messiah. Short, sweet, to the point. Believer in, let me, I believe in Jesus, but do you follow? Big difference. And they talk about confession. Well, see, to them that sounds Catholic. You go to the confession. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been asked, have you, do you go to confession? I says, not in the church, no, I, I do it at home. But confession, I mean, in their mind, means you go and talk to another person. No, this is, we're talking about we repent of our sin. In fact, the Russians talk about repenting, don't they, rather than confessing of sins. And then you don't want to use the term Jewish missionary. In fact, just I was sharing with David or someone just recently that at a recent Bible study, a lady said uh, she was talking to her Jewish neighbor, inviting, wanting to invite her to our study. And she says, well, a Jewish missionary teaches a class. She says, no, I'm not going. The word missionary is like waving the flag in front of the bull. You just say a Jewish friend who teaches the, the, the study. So just say a Jewish person who believes like I do. Because a lot of times they'll say, are there Jews who believe like you? You can say, yes, there are. Be tactful, just like this guy. You know, you whack him. You deal with each one individually. The Jews don't like to be, be overheard. Um, listen to his opinion. And let me tell you, Jews have opinions. They say if you ask three Jews a question, you get four answers. Um, and then you can ask questions wisely. I'll give you a few uh, questions in a moment. And then you can appreciate the contribution of American Jews. That's why we don't have to worry. Of course, we're old enough to remember when we were kids, the summertime, what was a big fear? Polio. No more. Why? Because of Jewish Dr. Salk and Dr. Sabin. And all kinds of other things that uh, we have benefited from the Jewish people. Um, music, you know, and of course our age groups, um, we know what real good music's all about. But anyway, 
don't be pushy. They say Jews push, we can't push. So, allow the Holy Spirit to guide. Now, here's a couple of questions. How would you recognize Messiah if he came? Well, ask my rabbi. No, 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 I'm asking you. Uh, what do you know? Do you know what the Jewish Bible says about him? You notice that the, 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 the scriptures looks like it's backwards. Well, the Jewish Bible, you go from right to left, okay? Um, says about him, and they probably won't know. Then you can say, do you mind if I take a few minutes and show you what the Bible says about him? And then share some things from some of the scriptures. And we have, we brought with us today, um, how would you recognize the Messiah? Some Old Testament, New Testament fulfillment. You can, and these are all in there, and you can share these verses with your Jewish friend. Uh, share the, these are some messianic prophecies. And then, um, in conclusion, be yourself, and I mean in conclusion, be yourself, because you don't know how to be anybody else, so make it easy on yourself. Um, ask questions. Ask what Jesus did that. Who do men say that I am? He went around asking questions. Then listen to their opinion or listen to their answers. And then show why you believe. Because they think you're born a Christian. You can say, no, 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 I wasn't born a I was born a Gentile. I had to come to believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that will kind of get their attention. Show them from Scripture why you believe. And then encourage them to read the Scriptures. And then, um, as I mentioned, know some basic Messianic passages. And then, if you can, share your personal testimony. And so, as I say, here's some pamphlets for you, how to recognize the Messiah. Here's another one that's very, a big problem with Jewish people is the Trinity. Because they say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. See, you, we believe in one God, you believe in three. Does the scripture talk about three gods, or is it one God? This little booklet will help you to understand that. By the way, it's really good for JW as Jehovah's Witnesses, too. Now, a lot of Jewish people are intermarrying. Uh, that's a real big problem. How do you resolve that dilemma? Well, this pamphlet is, is uh, available for you there. And uh, then we have our magazine. And Israel, My Glory is basically written for Christians. It's... Um, uh, comes out every other month, and this particular issue is is um, a back issue, but it's got some stuff that I think that would be helpful to you if you're on Facebook, privacy in a Facebook world, and uh, that's one of the t articles. And then there's always a, an account of what's happening in Israel and things of that nature, new technology and 666. If you'd like to have a free one-year subscription, put your name on our little paper there, and I will teach you a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word to write legibly is print. Print. Because like they were saying, if, you, if they can't read your name or number, you can't get it. So put your name on there and we'll be glad to send you a, a, a free uh, one-year subscription. So um, I'm going to... Um, um, close in prayer and if you have some questions we need to quit about one o'clock yeah. okay well before we close in prayer then does anyone have any questions because uh, this is all i'm going to show you right now and um, um there's other stuff too but that's part of a overall getting to know your jewish friend uh, workshop so anybody have any questions uh about um some of the issue issues i brought up if not we'll have a test next week <laughs> yes ma'am 
The reason, the reason they get, the question is why don't they read Isaiah 53? Well, I think that's what you're saying is that they may see, they have an explanation. They say it's a, an unknown person or it's Hezekiah or they, they make some kind of a cockamamie excuse not to read it. Uh, because I'll give you an example. A friend of ours, um, uh, had a Jewish friend who told him this story that he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and his uncle walked by, and his uncle said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading Isaiah. His uncle said to his Jewish nephew, you read Isaiah, you'll become a Christian. Because it's there. It's there. Um, uh, I was visiting um, uh, with a pastor, um, one of his members of the congregation. uh, uh, The wife came to the church, but her husband wasn't saved, and he happened to be home that day. From, from work, he wasn't feeling well, and so I got into Isaiah 53, but I didn't tell him what it was. I says, let me read something to you. He says, what are you going to read? I says, oh, you tell me. So I read Isaiah 53, and I says, um, um, who are they talking about? He says, oh, that's Jesus. He says, uh, I says, okay, who, who wrote it? And he says, oh, Matthew. I says, well, I, I agree with you that it's Jesus, but it's the gospel according to Isaiah. And he about fell out of his chair because they've never seen it. It's there. That's the, that's the passage that got me because when you're serious about sin, and I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but when I became bar mitzvah, that's when you become responsible for your sin as a, thir- as a, as a kid. Up till 13, all your sins go on your father's account. So you raise the dickens till you're 13. And- <laughs> but I knew that when, when I was 13, that I'm responsible, and if God is holy, I'm in trouble. And so, but that's the passage that, that, that really spoke to my heart. Here's the answer to be, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The, the people, that's the gospel right there in Isaiah. That's the reason they're afraid of it. Most Jews don't, don't know that passage unless a Christian shares it with them. Yes, ma'am. All of those things you put on Christmas cards. Yeah, all the, just the Bible itself. You know, when I, I'm old enough to remember when we used to have Christmas programs in the public school in L.A. <sighs> and Easter pageants. They used to call it Easter vacation and all those kind of names. And we used to sing about born as the king of Israel. And I said, hey, they're singing about my guys. You know, great, you know. But they don't know about that. All these passages, all those are there. And Isaiah 7.14. You know, one of the, um, the closest thing that Jews have to a catechism is known as the 13 principles of faith, called in Hebrew, anima amim. They're in all the prayer books. There's only 13. It's a doctrinal statement. Most Jews don't have a clue what they are, but they're there. Number six says, I believe with perfect faith that all the words of the prophets are true. Number 12 says, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah, though he tarry, I'll wait for him. When I was challenged to read the New Testament, I was already at Valley College when I got that. And uh, I read the first verse of Matthew. This is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. I said, whoa, what's David and Abraham doing with Jesus? Those are my guys. And... uh, Oh, they say, you can't stop here, you got to read on. Well, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. I said, this is boring. I got down to around verse 22, and thus it was fulfilled, which was written by the prophet. And the word prophet jumped out at me like this. The only prophet I knew were Old Testament prophets. So I was bound and determined to disprove the whole thing, and that's when I went into the Old Testament. But it's all there. 
It's all there. What did God, Peter and Paul and the rest of the disciples used as a, as the, as their scriptures? The Old Testament. In fact, you go to get an English version of the Old Testament, I mean a Jewish version, it's called the Holy Scriptures. It doesn't say the Bible, it says Holy Scriptures. Luke used that in 2444. So the, the words of the prophets are there. And, and you can share, this is, this is not Gentile stuff, this is all Jewish stuff, you know. So that's why uh, it, it, it gives you kind of a leg up when you can show them from their own sources. You can say you may not believe it, but at least you have to acknowledge that this is what your Bible says. Those are good questions. Anybody else? Yes? Uh, what do you say about the chosen people? You know, the chosen people? Okay, well, what about yeah. the chosen people? God is in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says, I didn't choose you because you were mighty or you're great or this. I chose you because I wanted to. Just like he chose you and me. He chose, he gave us the insight to accept him. But they were chosen to be a nation of priests. Remember, it says that there, you're a nation of priests. Now, a nation of priests, what does a priest do? They make intercession before God for the, for the, for the worshiping people. What they, God says, I'm going to choose you so that you can live your life amongst these Gentiles and let them see what it is to follow the God of creation. You're to be an example. And so you were chosen to be an example. And because the example did not become an example, they got, they got judged very, very severely and are still being judged. And I think I was talking with David a few moments ago about the fact that I think God is allowing what's going on in the world today, little by little, pushing Israel, Jewish people into a corner that he is going to step in somehow in a miraculous way. Because when Israel became a nation in 1948, they had seven, six, seven countries that had major armies against a, a country that had four airplanes for their air force and a PT boat for their navy, and they're still around. So the chosen is not because they're so special. He says, I didn't do this because you're special. In fact, you read Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm, 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 I'm preserving you because my name's at stake, not yours. My name's on the line. So, yeah. Anybody else? Yes. So you they don't think of the question is how do the different denominations of Judaism see salvation they don't think in terms of that they say if you're a good person the good outweighs the bad so in fact there amongst the orthodox there's a tra- tradition in the Talmud that says Abraham sits at the gate of hell and when a Jewish person comes there he sends them back the other way well that didn't happen in Luke chapter 16 the rich man ended up in hell. Abraham must have been on a coffee break or something. But, but it didn't happen. But so they don't think as far as salvation as, as eternal. Because many of them feel when you're dead, you know, you're, when you're dead, you're dead. You know, you, you go to a Jewish funeral, you weep and wail and gnashing of teeth because that's it. That's it. Um, their view of the afterlife is, well, well, I remember when my uncle passed away, just be grateful for the years you had them. There's no hope of ever seeing them again. But there's a lot of people who, you know, the most, there are more Christians that have visited Israel than Jews proportionately, really. And so um, 
because uh, they're very most Jewish Americans are secular. They don't identify religiously at all. They take off on Jewish holidays, but that's it. So they don't. The spiritual vacuum is big, and all kinds of stuff fills in that vacuum, not God. And that's why we have to be um, uh, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, in presenting the gospel. Well, uh, if there's other questions, we'll be a few minutes after. But let me just close in prayer and remember some of these issues. Lord, we thank you for mindset for missions. We thank you for the leadership for Jill and others who are in charge. And we do pray that you would continue to encourage them as they seek to make these folk aware of your work around the world. And Lord, we would pray for the uh, state of Israel and the Jewish people who are blinded by the evil one. We pray that as your hand works mightily and in preserving them, that they would see that their salvation truly is in Messiah Jesus. And Father, we would pray for Erwin and, and Mark, who are both elderly gentlemen who um, maybe don't know the gospel or don't understand it. We pray your spirit would speak to them as only you can. We would pray for our, the Bible studies that we have, that you would encourage uh, each one to know you more and more as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to bless and honor and glorify yourself through this ministry right here at Grace and through the ministry of, of GMI and, and each one, even though they're not part of an official uh, missionary group, but as they go about the neighborhood and meet people either in the grocery store or next door and just share the gospel with, with, uh, with the people that they know and have influence with, with family and friends. And we would pray for those here who may have unsaved loved ones, as we all do, that you would use um, us to, uh, as instruments in your hand to the end that Jesus may bring them to himself. And for this we give you praise in his precious name. Amen. Thank you, ladies.